Welcome to Leader You by Black River Performance Management, where we believe work should fuel the human spirit, not drain it. In this leadership podcast, we will dive into the lived experiences of people flourishing in today's workplace and beyond. Join us to hear real-life examples of experiences from our own lives and from the leaders we know and trust. All right. Thank you for joining us on the Leader You podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing a dear friend, someone I care deeply about, which is Mindy Bortness. Mindy believes hiring is an intelligence, not a routine. She's a recognized leader in leadership development, effective to meet team communication, and reducing employee churn. Since 2002, Mindy has consulted with organizations such as Bank of America, Meta, Yelp, Petco's Unleashed, University of San Diego, Victra Wireless, College of Western Idaho, AG Biopharma Services, Task Us, Home Advisor, Uber, and Sempra Utilities. Results clients have achieved include 50% internal team promoted with a two-year, 22-person leadership cohort, a national retailer reducing churn by 33%, and the rebuilding of a nonprofit board of directors from two to eight directors in 48 hours. Mindy is a WBENC certified woman business owner. Uh, In 2023, she received her Master Axiology Certification, the Science of Understanding Your Value Judgments. Mindy has taught DISC behavioral styles to 15,000-plus professionals and students. She's certified in seven sciences for professional leadership development through TTI Success Insights, the leader in validated assessments worldwide. She's been faculty for the Complete Leader Academy since 2017, and she's the past president of the National Association of Women Business Owners, NAUBO, uh, California Education Fund, past president of NAUBO, California, and NAUBO, San Diego, and was a top 10 finalist for the WBO of the Year of NAUBO in 2019. She was elected for the WBEC West Toyota Mentorship Program, WBENC-IBM, We Thrive, and NAUBO Pathways for a Board of Director Readiness. Mindy and her husband, Brian, also are also successful business owners, have three grown children, Bryce, Haley, and Maddie. They live in Escondido, California, and they have two dogs, uh, Ken Griffey and David. Her mission of dogs is being in their right homes, has her on the Southern California highways, serving as a transport between shelters and fosters. Thank you for being a guest on the Leader You podcast today, Mindy. I'm really excited to dive into a conversation with you about hiring intelligence. Thank you, Angie. I always love to see you. So thank you for having me as your guest. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a mouthful of quite quite a <laughs> quite a CV there you have, or a bio um, of the things that you've done and the experience that you have. And I just wanted to share with our listeners a little bit about how I came to know you and and, and why I wanted to have you on the podcast. So uh, I met you in 2017 when you were hmm. a leader for the Complete Leader Program, and I was College of Western Idaho employee at that time. And through that practice and using the tools, the TTI tools, it really was a life-changing hmm. moment for me um, where I was kind of in a transitional period and I wasn't really seeing all my blind spots, as many of us don't, um, including my strengths and my weaknesses, uh, the TTI tools were able to help me to see so many things that I couldn't put a language to, and then also 
having you coach me a few times, uh, having Ron, and then also, um, you know, just the facilitators helping me to see my strengths um, as it relates to my career and the job that I, that I was in. At the time, I was a clinical coordinator, and I was having a little bit of rub with uh, all the data and the pieces of my job that I didn't really love, and I didn't yeah. quite know why. And I, after doing, you know, going through this process, I started to learn more about myself and why, why some things were more uncomfortable to me and why some things really came easy to me. And it, it's, it, it changed my life enough that I was like, I want to learn more about this. And emotional intelligence was the first science that I thought, I need to know more about this because this is an area that I want to improve. And um, but since then, I've been a student, a learner, and learning from you, learning from Ron, learning from anyone, getting my master's in this area, like just continuing to learn and grow. But what I see you as is someone who has many more years experience, and also you've really specialized in the niche of helping people hire better and get better outcomes. And hiring intelligence is your trademark term. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. So can you tell us more about what do you mean by hiring intelligence and how did you get down this path? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, and it was wonderful meeting you back um, when we did our Complete Leader program with you and watching all the bells go off and with, with everyone. That's the, the honor of being a facilitator in any of those um, situations. My um, my love for hiring intelligence goes back to my time in corporate America. Um I credit the San Diego Union Tribune for a lot of my um, mission in life. My mission in life is for organizations to have the right people in the right roles and dogs to have the right homes. Um, so the people side really uh, sort of the foundation of that did come from the Union Tribune because they were so good at growing us and investing in their people and leadership development and in personal assessment. And so I was exposed to my first assessments there, my first DISC. Um, mm -hmm for communication style. And at the time I, I was the leader of, um, very disparate, like 14 disparate job descriptions, if you will, there were, I was head of marketing. So it had research analysts, it had copywriters that had artists it had some sales, it had sales presentations. So very different humans would be attracted to those different roles. And, um, I realized through the assessment that I was a really good leader for some and really quite horrific for others, just <laughs> by the way I showed up. And so it was my, not unlike you, that was my eye opening of like, how do I show up? People don't teach us that, right? We don't get that kind of training so that it, it became a real, a real love in my life of like helping people bring that pragmatic diagnostic to give them language for mm -hmm their gifts and their areas of development, and especially um, wanting to, it, it, having very, uh, very much a pragmatic approach to life myself, um, not understanding why people would be in a role that they didn't like. Mm -hmm. Like it just, that never, uh, I never understood that. Why would you stay in that pain mm -hmm. if it's not something that you enjoy? And so the, um, those threads of knowing who you are and what gifts you have and knowing that you can spend time and energy in days using those gifts versus not um, became really the cornerstone of the work that I get to do for the last couple of decades. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. And so 
Can you tell our listeners, like who might not have any idea about what enti- hiring intelligence is, what does that look like? What do people come to you for? How do you use the tools? We, I mean, we'll get a little deeper, but like overall, overall, what are we talking about here, and and why would somebody do it? Yeah, so I kind of want to start with you know, yeah, that why. Like, so what's happening if we're not hiring intelligently? Um, I think we've all um, likely either hired a bad fit or we might have been the bad fit um, and think about the tangible and intangible costs of that, right? Of a bad hire or a wrong hire. Great human, great job, just not the right fit, right? Mm-hmm. And and so um, that premise is um, sort of comes up because you're also, um, how do you get to be a bad fit? Well, if you think about the time frame from a candidate, they're looking for the best available job at some sort of preconceived time frame that they have. So they're going to look at A, B, and C, and this is C is the best of the three that are available right then. Um, the 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 um, uh, company, right? The hiring manager is is also doing that same dance, right? Choosing the best of the candidates that are in front of them. And sometimes that best available is is really certainly you should have more breathing room mm-hmm. would be what I would say. So because best available may not be a really good thing in six months from now. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what everybody's dancing around. Like how do we do that? And what are what are they being fa- what are they faced with? So hiring intelligently is is taking more of a step back at the beginning of the process um, and breathing through um, and really, firstly, getting on the same page of why does the job exist? Mm-hmm. So that's another mistake we make is we we throw somebody into a job that Sally used to do. And this job has changed so many iterations since Sally did it, but that's what we're hiring. And so guess what? The person says, that's not the job I thought it was. And if you and I are both leading this person, you may have some expectation and I may have other expectation. Mm-hmm. So I try to get Hiring intelligence is getting people on the same page in the first place and really developing the key results or the key accountabilities for that role. So that's the that's sort of the first step of the process that I deploy. Okay. So can you give an example of what that would look like? Just say um, you're working with an organization and there's there's a bunch of candidates or the benchmarking process. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that, what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. So that's we're we're sort of talking about that first step in it, which is key accountabilities. So if we think about subject matter experts, let's say you're going to hire somebody for um for your company, um, who's the who's the, who's the leader of that job? So that's the most important one. Who's the visionary for the job? That person, and it could just be one person, mm-hmm. but usually organizations are a little bit larger, so they might have a two or three or four other people on it. Well, who would that be? You might put one or two people who are in that role who you consider a superstar. Um, The reason we don't benchmark the bench is because the bench is only as good as the bench. And so we're trying to benchmark higher. We're trying to aim for something. We're trying to grow and level up the entire group by by creating sort of that perfect vision of that role. We won't find that perfect robot, but we can get close and then we can use development plans to help them grow to it. Mm -hmm. So that's really the first step, those subject matter experts for who really knows the job inside and out. We get them together in the same conversation and we create these three to five key accountabilities for the job. And then the trick there is also rank ordering because everybody's got their passion. Mm -hmm. And that process alone, that first step in this process 
sucks that human bias out of the role. So we're not hiring a mini me or we're hiring another Sally or Sam, whatever it might have been, that ends up not being the right fit in the future. So that that's sort of the beginning of that process. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun process. Yeah. And, and it's I think, fun to get people on the same page. And I think that that process in itself is a huge step that people can take to really start to identify and re recraft their job descriptions. Uh, what's, oftentimes we see job descriptions that we say look like a Sears and Roebuck wish list yeah. where you've just taken a marker and circled everything you want a human to be, but there's really no unicorn that does all of those things. Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and what I love about what you're saying is that by, by having it ranked, um, we start to be able to pull apart what, you know, what is the most important part of this job? What are you going to kick them off the island for, right? Mm-hmm. If they don't do it. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to give them raises for and move them up the career ladder if they do do it? So um, it starts to pull apart that concept of like throwing everything on the page and saying that unicorn has to exist. They don't. So mm-hmm. it's a great process that sometimes ends up saying, we've really got two roles here. Mm-hmm. So let's divide, you know, let's divide and find the two best humans for those roles. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about biases. We all have biases. And and I don't think some people are aware that we have biases. And my favorite bias is that I'm not bias bias. <laughs> <laughs> Teach me about that one. <laughs> that I'm not bias bias means we you think you're not biased, but realistically, we tend to gravitate towards people like ourselves. You said mini me. Uh, like, and, and I've seen this over and over and over again. People really tend to like other behavioral styles like their own. Yeah. Right. And, and people that it would be easy to get along with, even though that person might not have the character skills or the job skills or the, um, the natural tendencies that would be a good fit for that role. So yeah. you, what Sorry, what kind of things do you see? Background. That's okay. What kind of stuff do you see? Um, some of those, what are some of the challenges you see with biases? Yeah, I think exactly what you're talking about is um, we do like to be with people who are like us because it's just easier to connect and mm-hmm. communicate. There's a sort of, sort of shortcuts, right? So the work that we get to do in the big picture, not only for the hiring side, but the development side is to help people appreciate and honor styles that are different from them. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of, of pulling your team together to do these key accountabilities for any roles that are coming up is a wonderful process for sucking the human bias out because you are absolutely putting on the on the, you know, on the whiteboard what really is this job all about? What's this role all about? And then people can clearly see, well, this is going to take a different person than me Mm because I wouldn't want that role, Mm -hmm. right? So they start to have those aha moments within that process. Yeah. So how does doing this, um, benchmarking a job and, um, and having people take an assessment, how do the people use those tools? Yeah, and it this this sort of, continues the thread on the bias, the second step after the key accountabilities where you've got those subject matter experts together and they're giving their rank order independently of one another so that somebody can't influence somebody else. 
And then it's a simple mathematics of dividing and, and averaging, right? So that's how we get the rank order and the agreement in the room. Um, and it's how we minimize the human bias that I'm going to agree with everything Angie says. Mm-hmm. So those things those things sort of slip away. And then people do their this online benchmark, right? Mm-hmm. So it might take them 30 minutes, 35, 40 minutes. And they're only thinking about those key accountabilities. So again, we're, we're guiding them to say, don't think about how that last person did it, who you loved or you didn't like in the role. Think about the the product you just created. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically think about the top two or three things in that product, the, the, those key accountabilities. So people take the assessment independently as well. So again, they can't be influenced by maybe somebody with a higher title in the room. Um, and then behind the scenes, the third step is aggregating all the, their answers. So let's say you had four or five people in this process, we would actually combine their answers to create what we're calling you and I are calling this job benchmark. So mm-hmm. call it a benchmark, a profile, a blueprint, whatever you want to call it. But it's really sort of, this is the spirit of this job. This is what's, this is the engine that's going to help it succeed and be the best. Um, and then you pull those people back together and show them what they created mm-hmm. and you show them you know, there's going to be outliers of, you know, you thought that, you know, planning and organizing was a really high competency. And I thought that resiliency was a higher competency, but together did that bubble up to the top? Did Mm -hmm. those bubble up or did one fall out? And, and um, if we've done our job right, those are minimal. Like there's some outliers for sure, because we do have that human bias. So we're going Mm -hmm. to pull in our, our thoughts, but the beauty of the process is the combination of all those great brains. Um, and that's what helps us all get on the same page of like, yes, that's who we're looking for. Yeah. And then we, then we compare it to the candidates. So that's sort of the next step. Mm-hmm. And so do you tend to have, have people take this assessment, um, in the, in stages of the interview or some organizations you might test every, you know, have everyone take it or how do how do you do that? Yeah. All of the above. All, all of the above. The the benchmarking process is a is a less than two and a half hour process. Everything you and I have talked about so far. Um, that next step is like, okay, now we've got the benchmark. And by the way, it includes hiring questions, interviewing questions. So that's it's really a hiring manager's best friend mm-hmm. because it is a blueprint for them. Um, and you know, we really don't advocate for. Um, for it to be at the front end of the hiring process um, that because it shouldn't really be the only factor. Mm-hmm. Um, we always say it's like this, this one third, like if two thirds of what your clients are usually doing, which is this, what I would call an outside in view, they're doing the reference, the resume, their human bias. Do I like them? Do I get them? Do you, I think they could have lunch with us? You know, mm-hmm. do I think they can do the work? What's their salary range? All of that I call outside in. And what I feel I provide is that inside out one third. Mm-hmm. So that's new for a lot of companies. So to your question, where do you put that? It can be put in any stage of the of the um, of the hiring process. Um, I always say it's just a matter of sort of you know highest and best use of your time and budget. Mm-hmm. Um, our profiles can help you weed through quite a lot of time that you might be spending where companies have, oh, we do a panel interview and we do, you know, first we start in an email and then we do a phone screen and then we do a panel interview and then they come into, there's a lot of hours invested. So you've got to look at what, like, 
that's a lot of time and energy from your team. Mm-hmm. All good. But if you inserted this a little bit earlier, might you be able to weed through some of the people that you've spent, you know, you know, seven, eight hours with? Mm-hmm. How do we suck back and get back that time mm-hmm. by using the profile? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's incredible. I think um, many people that um, that might be listening have maybe never heard of using assessments for hiring, or maybe they've one some that I know have and that we've worked with know about it, but that doesn't mean that any everybody's started to use these tools, right? So I have seen other organizations use tools for. Um, hiring, and then they kind of pigeonhole somebody into a different role. And this is something that we try to avoid. And that's something you try to avoid as well, right? Like, if you take this assessment, this is the only kind of job you can do. Right. Well, and I, it depends on which science you're measuring, too. A lot of people put um, feel that sort of the behavioral style mm-hmm. Is the most relevant. I I think that's honestly the least relevant. I think you could do a lot of different jobs that are just a little bit more of a stretch for you behaviorally. But if the driver of the job is a fit for you, that's beauty. If the competencies, if you get an easy A and the competencies that the job is asking for day in and day out, you're going to be happy. So mm-hmm. those two sciences, I would, I would, I, and I have sort of advocated that those are the two more prevalent sciences that you do want to match in. Mm-hmm. So you could certainly do other jobs. You just want those also to have the soft skills or competencies and the drivers that are innate in you, because those are, those are your gifts. Those are your, your, your great talents. Um, and I find that the misfits are when those are the job is rewarding you for something you don't care about. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel fulfilled. Um, or, you know, the job is asking for what I call my summer school C. I took statistics in summer school and I was grateful to get a C in it. Right. <laughs> if I'm in a job that's asking me to do, you know, those kind of soft skills that are asked of me Monday through Friday, I'm exhausted by the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I get my easy A's, my English, my creative classes, arts classes, all of those were easy for me. I could not go to class and ace the final. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do because it's taking advantage of the things that I've got. And it's not that I'm not going to keep stretching and growing, mm-hmm. but it's like, these are the gifts I can bring to it. And somebody else is going to be better at this other stuff. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I got so much clarity in. I learned um, that I'm, you know, I'm a high extrovert. I'm an I. Um, my drivers are my top four drivers are harmo- harmonious, intellectual, receptive, and um, selfless. And so, mm-hmm. having jobs that align with that, right? Those are I, I learned that there's so many things that I was doing in my role. That it would, that it's why I was having a rub as a coordin- yeah. as a coordinator role. And I'd had many jobs as a coordinator, which requires a lot more data and tracking of things, which is not my favorite, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you can do it every do it. other Thursday, but you don't want to do it Monday through Friday. <laughs> yeah. Or I need somebody to create the system for me. And once the system or the accreditation or the there's some kind of system that I can utilize, I'm going to do much better with that organization than I am if I'm trying to create the, recreate the wheel for data, you know, collecting data. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So when you're working with an organization, like talk, talk to the listeners about how 
using the benchmarking process and having people take assessments can actually reduce costs in hiring. Yeah, thank you. That I mean, that's that's my main metric, right? Is and and usually the larger the organization, the more they're actually measuring that, so you can get some pretty strong feedback pretty quickly. Um, what it's doing, if we go back to the beginning of our conversation where we talked about um, the time frame, right? I'm going to choose the best available. Um, absent an assessment you're still kind of going in blind. You're going in on all your human bias and a little bit of the resume, et cetera. The, what the assessment's going to do is it's going to it's going to weed out many more candidates. It actually does a better job of weeding out than it does of saying these guys are going to be great because they could be a they can be a very great fit, and then your culture screws them up. So they could be a great job, great fit for a great job, and then still leave you four months later. And it's because the the assessment at its job and then you and your culture sort of failed them. Mm-hmm. So so it's very good at uh, weeding out in the first place um, people that you might have a bias toward that are really just not the right fit for the job. And you've got you want them because they're your cousin or, you know, somebody's best friend. It's like they're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. So it it saves a lot of money. I mean, my largest client, one of my largest clients with a reduced turnover of a third um, it's a, it's like a $6 million sale, a uh, savings, wow. Wow. $6 million savings annually because they're using it in high churn roles, retail high churn roles. Um, and so it's a, it's huge. Um, and then even on a smaller scale, a, a veterinary, um, hospital that I worked with for a long time, um, had the reduced turnover by a half of what the industry average is. So that's hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're saving every year because think of the cost of a bad hire. Yeah. What is the, what do you see as the statistics? Because I see a bunch of different statistics. What is the latest you've seen on the statistics? For cost of a bad hire? Yeah. I honestly let the client decide that. The clients, everybody's got their own view. If you ask them questions like, you know, well, what's the cost of a bad hire to the culture, they'll give you, you know, it, it you know, the, it sort of messes with our teams. You know, I've got to, I've got to work with them. I've got to grow and train them. They end up in HR. It costs HR hours and time and energy. What's it cost for missed opportunities? What's it cost to you personally? Well, I go home and I complain to my spouse about it. Blah. So, so they'll give you all kinds of reasons for what a bad hire is going to cost. Um, so I kind of let the, I, I don't have an industry. I mean, I've heard, you know, three times salary I've heard, yeah. you know, but I'll let the client, that's not my, um, the client's an expert in their own environment and what things cost in their environment. Yeah. So, um, so they'll usually come up with a higher number than I ever could. And, and the process that I deploy is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a cost of a bad hire. That's how right. I sort of describe it. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and, and I've heard those statistics like from, you know, some of the McKinsey or things like that, that say yeah. it's like th- three times the salary because, and the burnout, the cost of the burnout on the other employees that are picking up the slack and, and then going through the process and the change in the team and bringing pe- taking people out and bringing people in. So the idea is to get the right person on, you know, on the bus yep. in the right seat and have that bus go in the right direction. Right. Yeah. 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 
So you want that match. Yeah. And so um, can you give me a couple more examples of organizations you've worked with before we start to go into like part two, where we're actually going to look at some tools and get more technical, but just some more specific examples of what you've seen in industry and in your 20 some years of hiring intelligence. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, another example that comes to mind is another retailer. Um, I worked with a um, large organization that was launching a smaller footprint um, across the country and was able to profile their um, sort of the assistant manager role, the manager role, and the regional uh, or district manager role, I think they called it at the time. And um, so just doing those three profiles, so um, filling the filling the stores with these people who were going to be working there. And it was so small at the beginning that the results, one example is um, one of the assistant managers um, had a high harmonious. So this drive for how things look and feel in all five senses. Mm -hmm. So having that data way up front, we were able to help him but through our process. He ended up getting a role where he got to go to do the store openings. Mm, yeah. Which he loved. He loved, you know, setting up the store, how it looked, what the party looked like, all of that. So, so right away we were impacting people's lives and giving them higher engagement than if they didn't have this data. Um, another example was a store manager who really didn't want to be a store manager. She loved the training mm -hmm. and her profile showed that she was a high influencer and wanted to have a lot of contact with other people versus the data to your point mm -hmm. and doing all of the numbers and the data and the sales processes behind the scenes. And so that we were able to help her move to uh, more of the training for all of these new, um, you know, uh, stores that were going to be opened. And those are just two examples within one company in the first, you know, 90 days of working with them. And what I would say about that is we had zero turnover. I think we we had, I'm going to say 28 to 30 stores had opened. We had zero turnover for 10 months Wow! in the roles that we profiled. So yeah. that in retail, that's now there's an excitement factor. It was a new, you know, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them all that, but, but it's still, that's pretty remarkable. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, one of our, the things that we say and we believe is that work should fuel the human spirit, not drain it. And I mm -hmm. think this is. I mean, this is one of the ways and one of the ways that we help bring those gifts and let people share their talents is by understanding what they're good at and letting those things yeah. be a part of their daily activities and finding out what's not so great in their role and and being able to get them help or assistance or remove barriers or or get them training in that area or even maybe sometimes let go of that that task and give it to somebody who really likes doing that task. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm even thinking of a, of a smaller example of that, a real estate company that just has five people and two roles kept churning, 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 churning. Um, and there was issues with the leader, of course, that, you know, mm -hmm. of that, but was also mostly those roles were not well-defined. Mm -hmm. And so by, because they wanted them to do be all things to all people, right? And so by able, by sort of separating and deciding what are these two different roles and having more clarity about that and profiling them and then hiring against those roles and finding the better candidates, we were able to shore that up so that it's just got a more solid 
longer term engagement and solid um uh they're not leaving that team of five is is sticky right you know so it works no matter what it's mm-hmm. it's whether you've just got a one off that you're trying to hire for or you've got a lot of humans in the same role and it's got a lot of churn um this process is is will save you time money and help you sleep better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So talk to us about uh, executive roles, because we've talked about like sales entry leader yeah. managers. Uh, we've used it quite a bit with um, executive director positions and CEO positions. Do you want to just walk everybody? It's the same process, but yeah. um, what is your experience with it? Yeah, quite a bit, uh, you know, helping to really, it's fun to do those with more startups too, mm-hmm. high growth startups, because uh, that role hasn't been filled yet. Um, so using this process, this three-step process to profile um, and hire intelligently helps you bring in that right candidate for that role. Um, it So it doesn't, the title doesn't really matter to me. It's, 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 you know, you either, you want to make sure that you've got the right human in the right role regardless. Mm-hmm. Um it it may tend to work really well when it's a very critical role and you can't afford a mistake in a higher and or what we've been talking about, which is a lot of people in the same role and mm-hmm. you want to reduce the turnover, the natural turnover of that role. Yeah. But yeah, and 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 really let's talk about the in-between side, which is um let's say you've got somebody coming in as a bookkeeper, but they want to move up um and be an accountant within the company. Certainly there's the outside in. Um, education that they have to gain along the way, but we can help with the career ladders because those two roles might be profiled already. So we can help you see what are the soft skills needed for that next job up that you want. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's not like this needs an A and you're a D in all of it, mm-hmm. right? If you're if you're a solid B in them, we can help you move from a B to an A. Mm-hmm. Um, and nor would you want to go from a D to to an A because again, then you'd be exhausted and to your mm-hmm. point drained. Yeah. Um, so the career ladders is a really big deal. And certainly for people who want to be acknowledged and, you know, like, this is who I am. This is what I bring. What's my next potential step? And mm-hmm. that creates more stickiness along the way. Yeah. So one of the things that we've noticed when we've done these pro- these as well is that when organizations do this and then they use this th- these tools as part of their onboarding process, I don't know if you've had this experience, but the clients that we have that do this, the, the new hires feel so appreciated and so um, grateful that they have somebody that is telling them about themselves. They they get to see their reports. They get to see how they like to communicate, how their boss does. They're set up for like a man with a manual and some some like we use a comparison report, too, for the, the leader and their their direct reports. And it, it seems as if people just really feel valued, appreciated, and it's it's experiences they've never had in any other place that they've worked. Yeah, I love that. Yes. And I like to do, when do you, I like to do my um, onboarding with the tools at about the 60 day mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, that's just where I have found it to be a sweet spot. It could be a little earlier, a little mm-hmm. later, because at that point, the manager knows the person, the person knows their job and the manager. And so the context of the conversation, um, and it's sort of a triad debriefing with me and the manager and that person, it's like, these are the key accountabilities for the role. Is this what you do for a living? Mm-hmm. Right. So you get this double back check of, 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 you know, 
yeah, this is what I do, or no, I haven't done this yet. And it's because it's going to come in later into the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get the manager to your point to be able to praise them and like, and I've seen this, I've seen you do this. You're great personal accountability on the job, great resiliency on the job. And then to, everybody feels great about that. And that adds to the stickiness as well. And it's also, when do you usually do it? Do you do it right away or do you wait a little bit? It depends on the organization and if somebody's certified in the organization that might be doing it. But oftentimes um, the the comparison report comes right at the beginning, but diving deeper into the report would be later. But the comparison just yeah. this is how your boss likes to be communicated with. It Love just it. it has open open conversations about yes. ways to communicate, ways not to, keys to motivating things you might want to know about managing me, all of these things so that they have, it also helps build trust. I found when they start to have these, the report actually tells them how to discuss these things. And then it just opens deeper conversations and less transactional conversations, more about, Hey, you might want to know this. And it it sets them up for feeling more like to know what their boss wants instead of less ambiguity. Yeah, I agree on I love I love that. And and what you're describing is it accelerates the relationship. Yeah. The relationship we we're, we're, we what they learn immediately is what they would learn in 6 months. Mm-hmm. I call it miracle growing. Trunk, I'm, I'm not truncate that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, I don't have trademark on miracle grow, but I'm using it loosely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> miracle grow them. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So all right. Well, let's kind of start to get into the actual nitty gritty. Do you have a sample? We maybe we're going to break this into two sections. So for those of you that are listening, that is the the higher uh, kind of a zoom out view of the hiring process and what that looks like and the benchmarking and the hiring intelligence. And then this next part, we're going to actually look at some of the tools and have Mindy walk us through um, how that might look. Thank you for listening to the Leader You podcast. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your network. And um, we would love to have more likes and subscribes and views. So thank you so much. Hello, this podcast is brought to you by Business Women of Pocatello. Engaging, empowering, and educating women in business in Pocatello. Unleashing potential, sparking success. In the heart of Pocatello, a vibrant community of dynamic women are rewriting the narrative of entrepreneurship and the business world. Meet our remarkable businesswomen of Pocatello, a collective force of like-minded individuals united by passion for growth, collaboration, and community impact. These visionary women are not just building businesses, they are cultivating and supporting a network that transcends traditional boundaries. Our community is a hub where business education takes center stage. Monthly gatherings provide an invaluable platform for these trailblazing women to exchange insights, share experiences, and dive into the latest trends of their industries. From workshops led by industry experts to collaborative roundtable discussions, the businesswomen of Pocatello are committed to continuous learning, ensuring that each member has the tools to thrive in an ever-evolving business landscape. Engagement with the wider community is at the core of our mission, and we raise funds for local women to establish and improve a current business or to get an education to improve business skills. Through partnership through local organization and active participation in community events, these inspiring entrepreneurs not only are strengthening their businesses, but also contributing to the collective prosperity of Pocatello by being a member of this organization. The impact extends beyond professional realms, reaching to the social fabric of our city. 
These women are amplifying their voices and collectively advocating for policies that foster a conductive business environment. As members of the Chamber of Commerce, we have found that they serve as a powerful ally, providing resources, connections, and a unified platform for the businesswomen of Pocatello to elevate their ventures. Beyond the balance sheets, our community is driven by a higher purpose. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to nurturing the next generation of female leaders by engaging, empowering, and educating women in business. We provide a platform for mentorship, relationships, grants, and resources. We aspire to break down barriers and create opportunities for aspiring businesswomen to step into leadership roles within our community. I myself am a member of Businesswomen of Pocatello, and I am the winner of one of their scholarships. I highly recommend their group as something to help you elevate your business, whether you are in business, in, interested in being in business, or just want to get around like-minded individuals. Hope you'll check out Businesswomen of Pocatello and invest in your future.